The Holy Gospels from Luke chapter 9, reading at verse 51. And as I said, we are going to look at this passage, and we'll only get partway through it tonight. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked the Lord, Do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And they went to another village. And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is the gospel text. So, here we have Jesus. And we're looking at Jesus before things like tribe, country, or cause. Things like comfort. Things like security. And then things like the past. We'll just deal with the first two tonight. So Jesus is walking around Samaria... He walks through Samaria. Everybody likes to go around it. And he sends messengers ahead of him. And here's why. These are small towns. Very small. Dozens, maybe hundreds of people. And Jesus is rolling with quite a large entourage. It's him, plus the 12, plus the 70 plus, However, many other Facebook friends he has now followed him on their app and been able to find him in the desert of Samaria. So you're looking at, I don't know, maybe 80 or 100 plus people. And if you're a village of 40 or 60 people, you don't have a Ramada Inn. You don't have a Costco or a superstore. You're not set up to receive this many visitors at the one time. So messengers would be sent in advance. Hey, Jesus is coming. There are a lot of us. Do you guys have any food to eat and a place to sleep? Or is there a way we could purchase supplies and take care of the ministry team around Jesus? You know, the apostles, kind of like his pastors and the 70, kind of like his deacons. And they'd say, no, we can't accommodate that many Okay, then we need to roll into the next town and we need to figure out where we're going to lodge and how we're going to feed people and make preparations. So they roll into Samaria and Jesus is coming and here's what's going on. The Samaritans say to him, 
you know what? We don't want you, Jesus, because if he's determined to go to Jerusalem, that means he's not going to validate our tribal beliefs. See, the Samaritan people were a religious group, a political group, a racial group, a cultural group, a social group. They were the leftovers from the northern kingdom, which had basically been Assyrianized half-breeds, not real full Jews. They were a tribe. They were like people who today have all their life and their identity wrapped up in some tribe or group. Ooh, sound familiar? They said, well, we're willing to have Jesus providing he joins our tribe. He needs to validate our beliefs. He needs to go to our holy places. He needs to support our leaders. He needs to reinforce our theology. He can't go to Jerusalem. That would show the world that Jerusalem and not Samaria is where God wants to begin his redemptive work. That would show that their interpretation of the Bible is right and ours is wrong. So rather than changing our beliefs, we'll reject Jesus and send him on his way. See, they, those are your only two options. You repent or you reject Jesus. And they don't repent. They reject Jesus. And what they do is they put their tribe and their tribal beliefs above Jesus. They're willing to have Jesus providing he will support them and he won't. Now let me ask you, as you are thinking about this, what is your tribe? Who's your group? What's your identity? Is it your family, your race, your culture? Is it the language you speak, your beliefs, your ethnicity, your political orientation, your sexual preference? Is it your spiritual experience? Is it your cause? And the truth is, this is how a lot of people work. They want Jesus in their tribe on their terms, and he comes and he says, no, I'm God. You don't tell me to follow you, I tell you to follow me. I don't join your team, you join mine. And Jesus' team is very diverse. Different races and languages and nations and cultures and socioeconomic backgrounds. And he invites all to follow him, but he does not follow anyone else because he's God. Many try to do this. They say, I like Jesus. I'm totally fine with him, providing he doesn't, well, providing he, he does what I tell him, providing he supports what I already believe. But what if Jesus does support your political party and your cause? What if he just doesn't? What if he doesn't support your national interest or your social preferences or your culture or your sexual orientation? What if he says, no, that's not what I'm into? Then you need to lay that down and follow me, he says, and start over. You need to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Would you be willing to believe him, or would you reject him? And this is the way that it works. 
This is why even religions try and stick Jesus on their team. So the Mormons try and have a place for Jesus. The Jehovah Witnesses have a place for Jesus in their beliefs. The Jews try and figure out what to do with Jesus. The Muslims, the Buddhists, the Baha'is, the Hindus, they all try to find a place for Jesus. The general, vague spirituality will find a place for Jesus. Everybody's trying to find a place for Jesus in their belief system. Oh, he's a nice guy, good teacher, helped the poor, fed people, loved the oppressed. We got a place for him on our team. Now let me tell you, Jesus isn't Muslim. He isn't Jehovah Witness. He's not Mormon. He's not Scientology. He's not general, vague spirituality. Jesus is God. He doesn't join any religion, team, or tribe. He's God. We follow him. He doesn't follow and reinforce us. He calls us to repent and follow him. So the Samaritans reject Jesus and they lose the blessings of knowing Jesus. He moves on. So many people treat God as just another thing or activity in their life. I'm fine with Jesus as long as he doesn't act like he's God, Lord, or in charge. As long as he reinforces what I believe and how I behave, then I will tolerate him as long as he reinforces my point of view. But if he calls me to repent or he shows me that I'm wrong, then I'll reject him. And the Samaritans did, and God came to earth, walked through Samaria. God came to earth, walked right through Samaria, the place where nobody else wanted to go. They all walked around it. He extended a hand of friendship, and they rejected it. So, two of his disciples decide, let's call fire down from heaven. These are those guys, right? They're the turn and burn sign guys. The sons of thunder. Now I'll tell you what I like about these guys. They're confident, that's for sure. They just think we can call down fire from heaven. Which, that's sort of a big assumption. But where did they get that idea from? Well, you heard it in the Old Testament. Days of Elijah. Elijah's debating the false prophets of Baal and fires comes down from heaven. This is not that day. So Jesus rebukes them. This is not the day, not the time for judgment. There is a season for everything, a time for condemnation, but this is a time for salvation. This is the season of God's grace. Jesus is saying, look, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to atone for sin. You guys can come back to Samaria. We'll send some of my people to say that I've atoned for sin and conquered sin and death through the resurrection. And let's give the Samaritans another opportunity to receive grace and mercy and forgiveness and salvation. See, as long as you're alive, there's grace. Jesus is patient with them as he is patient with us, with you and me. And as he's patient with his own disciples, James and John, he's really patient with us. He does not delight in the death of anyone. He wants all to be saved. It doesn't mean we should be lazy 
or not have a sense of urgency. But it does mean that as long as we're breathing, it's not yet time of condemnation. Now, when someone dies, there is fire from heaven. Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed once for a man to die, then judgment. You die, it's over. Nothing more can be done. You're judged. It's heaven or hell. That's the way it is. No reincarnation, no second chance. So, yeah, have a sense of urgency. He continues on his journey. And then we see three people come up and have very interesting conversations with Jesus. And like the Samaritans, each has this error of putting someone or something ahead of Jesus. And they're happy to have Jesus, providing, provided he's in second place. As long as he's not first priority, as, as long as he's not first treasure, first love, first commitment, he's welcome to be somewhere in the list of priorities, but not in front. We saw it with the Samaritans. They put their tribe beliefs above Jesus, and the lesson continues for us. Now a little closer maybe to home. This Bible lesson is so timely for us because we live in a day and age where we pretty well put comfort at the top of our list of priorities. Think about that for a minute. Comfort. Verse 57 and 58. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man... His favorite title from the book of Daniel, God in the Flesh, has nowhere to lay his head. Before you sign up to follow me, let's make it clear that it's not going to be easy. I'm a homeless guy who's broke, going to get flogged and crucified. You ready to sign up to follow me wherever I go? You okay with that? And see what happens sometimes in Christianity is an effort to get people to pray and accept Jesus into their heart, some Christians will stretch the truth. Oh, you're sick? Come to Jesus. He'll make you healthy. Oh, you're poor? Come to Jesus. He'll make you rich. Oh, you're sad? Come to Jesus. He'll make you happy. People come to Jesus and say, you know what? It didn't work. I'm more broke than I was. I was sad, now I'm really sad, because now I know how sinful I am. My circumstances haven't changed, my, but my awareness of my shortcomings have. And I used to have a friend, and now I don't. Life has gotten really hard. I didn't get healed, I got cancer. This isn't working, I'm disappointed with God. Jesus, I thought you were like a piñata. And how does this work? Where all the goodies and the trinkets and the blessings, where are they? This Christian life is kind of hard. Let me tell you right up front, following Jesus is the best life. It's certainly not the easiest. And what he is essentially telling this man, if you want to follow me, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. If you want to follow me, I don't know what I'm eating tonight. If you want to follow me, that's fine. I'm just telling you that the road is going to be rough sometimes. And you'll take that deal 
If on one side of the scale you have all your possessions and all your comforts and all your security, and on the other side you have Jesus, but you treasure Jesus above all and you say, you know what? I'd rather be broke and sick and sad with Jesus than rich and healthy and seemingly happy without him. I'll take Jesus, whatever the cost, because I know where he is going and he's going to take me home where I belong. You and I really struggle with this because we all like to be comfortable. I mean, we spend a lot of money on comfort, just like happiness you heard about. We all want to be happy. But often it's just, I want to be comfortable. Nothing wrong with that, but Jesus has to come first. You see, we will often take the comfortable road or the easy way. That's why we need saving, because we're sinful and selfish by nature. Jesus took the way of the cross for us. And you think about it. If you knew that what lies ahead for you is mocking and rejection and bloody humiliation and crucifixion on a cross, you would not choose that path. But you would try and do everything to avoid the uncomfortable way. But Jesus resolutely headed to Jerusalem. He stayed the course, marching to his death. And why would he do such a thing? Because he loves us. And you think about that. And the next time we want comfort over Jesus, just remember what he did for us. People will say they are faithful and want to follow Jesus. But comfort, and next time security, and the past, well, they all tend to get in our way. And we're going to talk about that next week.